Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask, where everyone has something they can teach you. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. In this episode, we are going to explore why we do what we do when it comes to money. As a CPA for the past 30 years, wait, let me say 25 because that makes me sound younger. I have seen it all when it comes to money and emotions. And if you think I'm talking about my clients, I'm not. I'm talking about myself. My relationship with money has been, and sometimes still is, an emotional roller coaster. Maybe that's something you're also familiar with. Good news. You and I are not the only ones. Our next guest is going to share their money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges as well. Buckle your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Our next guest is Dr. Joe Burns. In 2009, Dr. Joe was faced with his wife lost in PTSD, bills, creditors closing in, and a house in foreclosure. He thought if only he made more money, his problems would be solved. However, after changing jobs and making over 100000 a year, he realized money was never the problem. His mindset was. Now he helps entrepreneurs unlock access to the answers inside them by disrupting their money mindset, raising their money EQ, and making money their best friend. Welcome to the show, Dr. Joe. Thanks, Bob. Excited to be here. Yeah, well, let's just start right off the bat because a lot of people might be thinking, Bob, you should have said IQ, money IQ. Talk to us about money EQ, which is an assessment, if I have this right, of how healthy your emotional relationship is with money. You know, when I first started my business, everybody learned I was talking about money and they're like, hey, can you help me with my budgets or investments or something like that? I'm like, that's kind of like IQ part, right? Where we use our brains to like go do something with money smart. Right. The EQ side is more emotionally, like, how do we feel about it? Nobody's asking these questions, right? How do we feel about money? How do we respond to it when it shows up in our lives? And so I like talking more about that because it's way more impactful than trying to figure out the stock market or investments or things like that. There's really smart people out there that do that full time that can help you. Yep. But in our everyday life and how we interact with money and how we're showing up, it's affecting us way more on an emotional level than what we're giving it credit for, mostly because we've never been taught. Yeah. Nobody's ever challenged and said, hey, what's your money EQ? How do you feel about this? It's just a paper, like it does something for us. So I really like diving in on that side because it really disrupts people's brains when I start asking them how they feel about their money, you know, when the thing's happening. And how did you first notice that? Like for me, I would sit down with tax clients and then they would go out and do the exact opposite of what I suggested that they do. And so I had to get in touch with what's going on for you emotionally. So that was really pretty clear. For you, how... Did you make that connection? Was it first your own personal experience? Did somebody bring that awareness to you and you had a mindset disruption? How did you discover this component? I think for me, it really is back to, you know, like you read my bio, the 2008, 2009 incident with my wife and the PTSD and all the craziness that surrounds that part of my story. It led us down to going from a one income or two income family and we don't have children. So everybody's like the perfect storm, right? No kids and two incomes. To where one income and a lot of new medical bills and right. things like that, and just how I had to handle our finances. We moved across the country during that time. I got a raise, but we moved from Utah to Maryland. So I really didn't get a raise because cost of living is way different, which I was naive enough not to realize that, right? We're just trying to get away from a bad situation into something new. And I was soon faced with trying to figure out how to pay bills I couldn't pay anymore and trying to make the math work on paper and it wasn't working and it was wrecking me inside. Yeah. Right. And part of that part of the story you read, 
when I moved out there, I wasn't making a hundred thousand, but within a couple of years I was. And one thing that really kind of woke me up is that I was making 106,000 at a corporate job. Uh, my background was IT. So lots of money in IT, used my brain for really smart things, but my bills were such that I had to go to my local church for help. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, is there anything you guys can help me out with? And it was just like this inside that just wrecked me. Like, I'm like, I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I should have no problems. Right. Right. Cause that's what everybody told me, but yet I'm going to my church for help with food so I can feed my family. Yeah. Like this doesn't make sense. In my brain. So I had like this whole internal struggle about that number doesn't mean what I thought that number meant anymore. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this and maybe it didn't, maybe it did, but I would imagine if I'm thinking that I'm making 106,000 and I should have it made and I'm having to go to my church and ask for help, even though I'm usually looking for my church to help other people, there might be some internal shame. Oh yeah. Shame, guilt, like, can I really go there and ask them? Right. And they asked all the questions like, what can we help you with all that fun stuff? And, and just had to be real open and honest about where we were at. And it's so hard because our whole lives were taught about our finances that you don't talk to other people about it. Even talking to your financial advisors is for a lot of people hard because they're like, oh, they get to see all the internal workings of like what my bank account looks like, you know, credit I have, how much debt I have, what my net worth is about. Like these numbers impact us. And so when we're in need and need some help from other people, there's a lot of shame and guilt that happens, right? And I didn't like that. Like, it didn't feel good to me. Right. And so I kind of worked through that. And then a few years later, I met a personal development coach that helped me see the other side of me. Yeah. And it really opened up a lot of stuff. And then I, I don't know, through happenstance in some cases, because I was going through all the money stuff and going through all that financial kind of ruin, I didn't put two and two together, right? I'm just like, I got to get through this. Right. I just have to make it to the other end. We lost a house during the process and all the shame and guilt around them telling my credit score was going to be horrible and you're a horrible person because you can't pay this. Like all this stuff that happens in society. Yeah. Right. It's horrible. It's horrible. It was. And my credit score was good. I was like 720, 750 and it dropped to like 500 overnight. Right. Now the plus side, again, I'm not a financial guy to tell you like this kind of financial thing. So don't go on me. But within two years, I had built it back to like 700 after the foreclosure. Yeah. It's a number, right? It tells things, but how we feel on the inside. So anyways, met this personal development coach and then I like, I just felt this affinity to be able to apply the personal development principles yeah. to money and how we interact with it. And that's kind of how my business was born. Yeah. And I think there's a misnomer that if I'm sort of making money or appearing to be making money, right? I'm not making 20000 a year. I'm in a good professional job. Maybe I've got a college degree. I shouldn't need any help. And I should just have it all dialed in through osmosis, I guess, because... <laughs> My parents didn't know anything about money. God bless them. They just didn't know. So it wasn't like they were like, hold this information from Bob. Yeah, right. <laughs> like nobody's parents were out there going, withhold, withhold. Let's see what they do. No, they're not. They're doing the best they can. And that's the problem. They are. They're trying. Right. They're doing that. And us as children, right, we learn so much as children just through like watching and then replicating. Right. And that's what we're doing with our money. We see that, because I remember in my household growing up, many tense conversations, like after we had went to bed, but we're still awake right? between my parents. So me getting married and, and growing up, I'm like, okay, so anytime I have conversations with my wife, it's got to be like a flinch fest, right? We're just like, what's going to come out next? How's this going to be like an argument? So we just kind of avoid it. Right. Because I want to argue with my new wife, right? So we're just right. like going to kind of avoid the money conversation and kind of have them so we can pay our bills and feed ourselves. But outside of that, we're not going to really talk about it. And it wasn't healthy. So there had to be a different way. And it took a while to get there for us. My wife, bless her heart, she always like made sure we had a budget because she grew up in a very disruptive household when it came to finances, right? Her parents were running from creditors and hiding cars behind fences, stuff like that. Right. 
So she didn't want to go there, right? And then she's way smarter than me. So she's like, I'm not going back there. Right. So we need to do something different. So our finances have always been pretty good. But again, there's still always been that emotional side that we never challenged ourselves until we were like into our 30s. Like it was a long time being married when we finally kind of figured out the rhythm there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there is this belief that conversations with spouses, partners, children has to be a fight. Like, let's get prepared to get angry. And so I really try to work with people to neutralize the conversation, teach people to, when it gets heated, to say, hey, let's take a five-minute break. <laughs> let's, <laughs> That's good. Let's dance. Let's breathe. Let's do something other than continue this conversation until we can take the charge out and then come back. It's amazing, like hearing you talk about your wife saying she had a budget so she wouldn't go back. So in a way, fear was driving her to keep her from sliding backwards. And I think there's a lot of people that are operating from fear. I think fear is one of the biggest emotional components of money, whether it's fear of not having enough, fear of having too much, fear of being judged, fear of having to set healthy boundaries or saying no. Like there's so much fear when it comes to this stuff. And then the fear of just not knowing, am I doing it right? Because yeah. I didn't take a course and I didn't get an A. <laughs> right. There isn't a course. So the more we can neutralize and help people to understand that they're just conversations. And if you can set up the parameters to have a healthy conversation so that you don't take each other out and make it personal or keep a history book of remember that time 27 years ago. Right. Yeah. To just like, let it be okay and move on. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. And let's not like that fear and the shame and all that stuff that we've lived with. Well, let's not incorporate, let's try to get that out of the conversation because then we can come to a solution that will work for everybody quicker, right? Yeah. And I want to ask you about this piece because I know it was true for me as well. And I still fight it sometimes. Oh, if I have money, I can solve everything. Yeah. If I just have an, or, oh, I'm having an argument with somebody or an employee is unhappy. Here, let me just give you some money. And then I don't have to have a conversation. Nope. So money helped me avoid when I finally had it, money helped me <laughs> avoid difficult conversations because it was easier to just throw money at it. And then if I'm doing the money, I get to call the shots. And so then in a way I can use money to manipulate, even if it's unconsciously yep. because I have the power. And when I didn't have the money, I didn't have the power. And it's not quite so black and white like that. No, not at all. All right. And that's why one of my mantras and some of my clients, even my wife hates it when I say this, because we'll get in these conversations. Like if I just had more money, I'm like, hold on. It's never about the money. Right. So what is it about? Because mm -hmm. money won't solve. We could have a billion dollars and it still won't solve the problems, right? Right. And I tell people this all the time. Like, if you look at people with large windfalls, like right? lottery winners, big inheritance stuff, there's statistics out there on the internet. If you go look, it's like 70 or 75% of people who get those yeah. are in the worst financial situation within 24 months. So if it was just about the money, it would solve all their problems, right? Right. Especially with the amount of money. Like we're talking like three, $400 million lottery winners who are like absolutely broke yeah. and homeless after like 24 months. It doesn't make sense to me. So if it's not about the money, what is it about? And if we can solve for that, then that's where the real power is. We can solve that internal conversation and that internal turmoil that's happening. And then we come out the other side and we're way, way, we're in a better situation than we were when we started. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I have a family member who won the lottery twice and said it was the worst thing that ever happened because they ended up going into bankruptcy. All these things happened I think what happens partially is, oh, I won $2 million. Well, you don't have $2 million because you got to pay tax. <laughs> yep. And there's all these other things. And then people come out of the woodwork 
Hey, I have this great idea. Hey, can I borrow some money? Hey, you know, all of a sudden you become the money magnet. Yeah. You're like a bank to everybody else, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, hey, can I get a really good gift for my kid? Uh, hey, like all of a sudden you start to doubt why people are actually hanging out with you. <laughs> like, is it my money? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. It's so hard though to think that, oh, if I had less money, I could actually be happier. Or if I just had this, if I just had that, the reality is it is, it's internal. It's, am I having a great experience? Am I in connection with people? And am I trying to present or am I trying to just show up authentically? Yeah. And that's the thing. I always put the caveat out there that like for a small group of people, especially in the United States, more money would help their situation, right? For a small group of people. For sure. But for the most people who are, you know, have decent jobs and are, you know, comfortably middle-class, like money's not the problem. It really isn't. It's simply just a mirror that shows you what's going on in your life, right? That's why these big winners, like it's a mirror, right? It, you'll get rid of it if it makes you feel uncomfortable, right? If that mirror is showing back you what you see, even subconsciously, you'll just get rid of it so you don't have to have it anymore. Yeah. And I think most of us, and I think for the listeners out there, ask yourself, what's my comfort level? So a lot of people, I work with a lot of entertainers, their comfort level is my bank account's not overdrawn, <laughs> right? <laughs> Some people, their comfort level is I don't need more than 5,000 in my bank account at any time or 50,000. And I think these folks that win the lottery, or I know a lot of my clients and I know for myself for a while, oh, that's more money than I was expecting to have. I'm not comfortable with that. Let me bring it back down to my comfort level. Yep. My family won't get mad at me. My friends won't think I'm better than them. Whatever the stories are, mm -hmm. we go right back. We find that water table level. <laughs> yep. Yep. 100%. Of there it is. There it is. And then learning to tolerate more money. When I have clients that inherit money or have a windfall, they'll call me and go, okay, I'm going to pay off all this. And I'm like, no, you're going to sit with it for at least 30 days. And you're just going to look at it, thank it, let it sit in the bank. And they're like, what? I'm like, just let it sit in your bank account. <laughs> that's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Just let it sit. It's like, yeah, that's the point, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Become comfortable with it because we're not like, cause we don't, we're struggling. Like, we're not. When you look at that, the struggle is passed down, but we feel like we got to struggle. Even we have a lot of money, like you're saying, that water table will bring it back down to where we feel comfortable, even if that's within the struggle, right? And just continue right. to live because that's what we know. There's no unknowns anymore. We don't know how to solve for things that are unknown. So we just like, hey, this has kept us alive for this long. We're just going to keep rolling along. And that's what we're doing. With the people you work with, and I don't ask this enough, why do we think we have to struggle? Why do we have to work really hard to get ahead? There are some people that are like, no, money can be easy and I'm just going to let it come in. And most of us are like, no, 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 it has to be painful. I can't enjoy what I do to bring in the money. It must be hard, right? Yeah. Accounting is something that came easy to me. And I always felt guilty charging people because I'm like, it's so easy. <laughs> like, it's so easy. And people are like, yeah, but yep. it's not easy for other people. I'm like, yeah, but it just feels wrong. I should have to earn my money painfully. <laughs> yeah. I grew up like to date myself. I'm turned 43 this year. So my dad is a child of depression era parents, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of that, like that handed down struggle that's been passed down over generations. Some of this generational trauma that comes down. Uh, surprisingly enough, most of my clientele are women of color. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the generational trauma that's been passed down, right? Oh uh, yeah. If you look at culturally, right? If you start bringing culture into it, then it plays a big part into like why the struggle exists. Yeah. Right. And some of that work I do is breaking down to be like, the struggle isn't necessary for the growth, right? We can be there right. and let's talk about why you respond that way, why you think that's the truth. Because again, most truth is just perspective and let's change the yeah. perspective a little bit and then we can start seeing growth. So 
it's amazing. Like just the results I get from the small shifts. Yeah. Because now they start to see things in a different light. They start to see the world differently. They start to see their businesses differently in a way that now they can start creating generational wealth of their own. Yeah. That feels so foreign to them that they never saw before, but now they can see it's a possible and now they have a good framework and task and action to go do to make it happen. Yeah. So it makes my heart happy to be able to help in that way, because if not, then people are just doing it the hard way. Yeah. It like makes my brain short circuit when I start seeing that. I'm like, you guys are making it 10 times way too hard. Like, let's scale right. that back a little bit and we can do some simple, like my, another mantra is always simple, actionable steps. Yeah. Then we can go make it happen. But some, I don't know, in our brains, maybe because we think it's a complex problem, a complex issue or a complex solution is what's going to help us get there. Yeah. And so then we want to do it the hard way. And I'm like, right. I guess if you want to, but I have a way simpler method and you guys can make it there a lot faster. But that's too easy. That's too easy. <laughs> right. I don't get to feel the pain. Yep. Well, let me ask you this about helping people make shifts. And I have a belief that, you know, when I'm working with clients, yes, they're carrying their own struggles around money. A lot of them have issues around self-worth or deserving. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I don't really deserve this. I think there's a component unconscious that they're also carrying a few generations with them. Yeah. They may not just be carrying their own doubts of worthiness, but mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, great grandpa and grandma, like there is generational stuff that we bring in and that we're not even aware that we're operating with. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Like I try to keep my pulse on this in the psychology world and even in the science world, they're starting to prove some of this out like in science, but 100%, right? So we show up and we're like, here's these things, but this doesn't feel like, I have some clients, they'll call it out. They're smart enough and they can recognize that it's not theirs but they won't know whose it is, right? So we'll right. do some exercises to try to figure that out. But yeah, we bring all this stuff like it's passed down over and over and over, either through stories genetically, right, in our cells, but it's passed down. And if we can start calling that out, right, and becoming aware of it, then we know how to fix it, yeah. right? It's like, if we can't even be aware of what the problem is, it's really hard to solve for it. Yeah. So will you do something that I do and that I like to encourage people to do? You tell people to talk to their money. Yes, I do. And I love having clients talk to their money. They're like, what? I'm like, go onto your bank account, open up your wallet, pull out those bills. Let's have a conversation. Has money ever told you something you didn't want to hear? Oh, all the time. (laughs) Tells me to talk to people, but I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like I have to listen to my own tuition, right? When I talk about it, but I'm the same way, Bob, like I'll show those who are watching. Like I have money just sitting on my desk, right? Here's a dollar bill. And I literally sit down and journal to actual money. Yeah. The bank account, if you have to, but I like the tangibility of like the actual paper money. Because we don't have it enough around. We don't. You know, around enough. And if money's going to be your friend, then why are we like hiding it in the closet and in desk drawers in our wall? Like, why don't we have it out and, and present? But yeah, I get told all the time by my money, like to go do stuff. And I'm like, but that's going to be really uncomfortable. And it's like, and you said you wanted results. You said you wanted some help. So here's your help. Now you can take it or leave it. But I mean, every time I've like trusted in that intuition side of me, when I've talked to money, I've never been disappointed. Yeah. How do you get your clients to talk to money? Like for people listening today, what's this first step they can do to start this relationship with money? Because I think a lot of people do. They hide the money. When we use credit cards, it feels the same of charging a dollar as $100,000. There's no impact. Yeah. You know, you take a $100 bill out of your wallet and break it. And I cry because I know (laughs) it will now disappear into the universe, into the abyss. How do you get started? First, I say you got to get some money, like get something like an example, a dollar bill is good enough. But I have a, like a little framework I usually give them, which is a five-step process to just help them get used to it. Because again, 
telling people to talk to their money, the first question they always ask me, what do I say? I'm like, okay, we'll get there. Let's start this. But if I add in some personal development properties through that, I always start and say, okay, use this tool I really like that I called write and burn or write and shred. And it's like, just take out a piece of paper and a pen and just write down all the negative thoughts you have going through your brain right now. You might need some sentence starters or some sentence stems that will help you get going. But do that, but set a timer for like two minutes. Like don't sit there all day and journal, right? That's just unproductive. Right. And then why I say burn, you can burn it safely if you're going to do that, like really safely. But a lot of clients, I might just shred it up, right? Shred it, toss it away. Like get rid of that stuff. Have some power statements around money than to say afterwards, right? Because you're letting a lot of stuff out. So now let's fill that vacuum up you've created with some positivity. Yeah. The next step is sit down and literally ask your money, like, hey, how's it going today? And you can literally ask questions like this. Hey, money. I remember back when I started, right? I'm like, hi, money. My name's Joe. How are you? Start it like you would a real relationship. If you don't have a relationship with money, then you got to start somewhere. Right. Right. You just can't say, hey, man, give me your deepest, darkest secrets. Like it doesn't know you. Right. So it's not going to tell you much. Right. So you might have to start out with some basic questions. And then just pay attention as you're talking to it. And I always have like, hey, get a piece of paper and a pen out and just write down whatever you hear. Now, my best question to ask money is, hey, who can help me today? I have this problem. Who can help me? And then the first name that comes to your head, write that down. And then step number four is go talk to them today. Now, without an agenda of any way, because you never know how those conversations are going to end up, but go talk to them. Like, let's have conversations with people we know, people in our networks. We know a lot of people. So start leveraging them in ways that can help you get to where you want to go. Yeah. And then number five, number five is one of the most important steps is celebrate what happened today, right? That accomplishment energy is really, really juicy. And even if it's not directly related to what you thought you wanted during the day, it's going to have some type of, you're going to have some celebration you can around that. Yeah. And if we get in kind of this rhythm of doing these five steps every day, man, we, we can make some real cool stuff happen. Absolutely. And it gives them enough structure that now they're not feeling so kind of, I don't know, it's not too big. It's not too flexible in like how they talk. and then. As they get used to doing that, then I'm like, okay, now ask different questions, right? Just have a real conversation, get comfortable with this. And as they do it more, as the clients have done that process more, like I say, they start to really have some really cool results going from a few thousand dollars a month to, I had one client a couple months ago, they finally hit their first six-figure month. Nice. And actual cash, not just sales. It's fun to kind of watch the growth that happens in a simple tool that allows their brain to give it some structure and not become overwhelmed with kind of the woo side of this kind of personal development, kind of talking and energy work, stuff like that. So make it easy for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important to like have fun with it as well. Some of my clients will say, what am I going to say? I'll say, open your wallet, talk to your money and say, hey, listen, I really like you. Could you have some of your friends and family come visit too? I've got a great space in my wallet. I've got this really cool bank account that they can hang out with. Go out and multiply, do your thing. It can be fun. If it's uncomfortable, like find ways to make it not so serious. And it's the last possible chance I have to get my life back together. Like, let's lighten it up a little bit. At least that's for me. I want to try and just take away some of that charge around our fear and our stress and our beliefs and our mindset. And for me, having fun with it helps like you talk about disrupt, I call it hiccup, but to just change that sense. Oh yeah. Okay. This is playful. Yeah. I like that. And I'll do that with my clients as well, because you're all right. When you asked me to be on your show and I saw that, I'm like, I dig Bob's vibe, like the, the whole <laughs> comedy piece and just to have fun with it. Cause we are like this whole conversation can get too serious. Yeah. Like way too serious. And it's like, yeah, we want to help you. But at the same time, like life can't be as serious as we're making it. Yeah. We got to have some fun and, and, 
And I have to continue myself because I get a little too serious sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> my wife will remind me. I'll do weird things sometimes just to like shake up my brain that way too. Yeah. If I find myself in a mood, usually, and this is kind of off the money subject, but I'll like park my car as far away from like the grocery store entrance as I can. And I'll skip into the grocery store. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, you got to break it up because if you get too serious, then we're going to start missing things and our tunnel vision kicks in and life can't be lived serious. Like it's, there's, there's too much beauty and joy in life that if we live in it too serious, it's just boring. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we're not celebrating and enjoying relationships, being alive and breathing puppies, whatever it might be, life is sort of painful. Then it is sort of just all about the struggle and doesn't feel very hopeful. Or, you know, we can go down a rabbit hole of darkness if you get so serious. Even in my worst situations, I still, in moments, tried to find the humor and this too shall pass. Eventually, I'll get back to a place where I can look back and go, gosh, that was so dark and crazy, and I made it through. Life is short, and so we have to celebrate the moments. 100%. Like, it's kind of funny. My clients actually have a journal they sent, showed up in the mail one day, and it says, dad joke catalog. So they know me for my dad jokes. Right. I love, like, dad jokes. Like, I'm not a dad. Like, we don't have kids. But the dry humor of dad jokes, so I'm the yeah. same way. So I'll, I'll like start those off with my videos sometimes or like my group coaching clients, we have a Slack group we're all in and they send them to me all the time. Like, hey, here's another one for your thing. And we kind of joke back and forth. So I'm the same way. I'm like, I want a little bit of humor in life. If we're not having fun, if we're not being joyful in what we're doing, why are we doing it? Yeah. There's got to be joy. Like no matter what business you're doing, there's however you're making your money, if it can't be fun, then go find a fun way to make it. There's tons of ways to make money. But, you know, the age old adage of having to be serious and work hard for your money, like that's just garbage. Like yeah. it doesn't work. It makes us miserable. And we end up doing stuff that we don't want to do. Right. Absolutely. And so I enjoy, have fun. And it's amazing when you lean into that, how much more money you'll make. Yeah. And let me ask you this as your fifth step, you talked about celebrate the moments, right? Having this celebration of what happened throughout the day. I'm going to like leap connected over to gratitude. To me, that celebratory moment is also an expression potentially of gratitude. And I don't know if that's true for you. I have found that as I've shifted my mindset to more gratitude and being grateful for things, even things as simple as hot water working today or having hot water, having running water, some of those things that shifted my attitude instead of, I don't have the newest this or that. And I don't have why does my friend, ha if I can just come from this place of, wow, I'm just happy I'm breathing today. Cool. My car started. Those little things. Okay. Gas is incredibly expensive right now, but thank goodness I was able to buy a tank of gas. Right. <laughs> Whatever those things are, instead of looking for the negative, trying to still see the celebratory moments, even in the challenges we face. Oh, 100%. I would agree with you 100%, Bob. There's obviously gratitude underneath that. A lot of people aren't used to that. Right. And so I started with accomplishment. Hey, just, can you see you did some pretty cool stuff today? Like, right. is that good enough? Okay, now we can. And then there's kind of both, I think from my perspective, there's concepts in both of those, but they're super, both are super important. We had a coach a long time ago who kind of said something the same about gratitude. And, and he suggested like gratitude journals and that you fill out like before you go to sleep or something, hey, what are you thankful for today? And one of his things was, even if like your spouse, even if you can't like, if you're angry at them and just like they did some stupid things that day, he's like, just say, hey, I'm grateful that you have like blue eyes, right? Just something right. just to, to be happy about. Yeah. Because it is, it's so important because when we can see the gratitude in things, then we can start to see, hey, our lives aren't too bad. Our problems may feel heavy, but there's still a lot to be happy for, a lot to be grateful for. And there's a lot of 
really yummy energy around it that helps us get out of those kind of funky times. Yeah. And I also think when we express gratitude, even if they have blue eyes, that we're helping erase the case that we're building against them. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yep. Because if we're just busy going, and then they did this today, and then this happened, for me, the gratitude helps sort of erase the case that I'm making. Yeah, and I think it goes back to like what you said at the very beginning. When you have your clients and they start like the energy of whatever's happening within that meeting, you're like, hey, let's get up and dance or move around. It changes the energy about like what's being created. Yeah. And if we can add some positivity in there, it breaks it up and... If you think of like a hard candy shell, that negativity will start to harden. But if we can break just to put a little crack in there, then it all crumbles really quick. Yeah, absolutely. And we're all like back to like some of these better vibes and seeing a little bit better outlook on life instead of, you know, just what we don't have. And the same goes for money, right? Like if we can be like, right. hey, I have this, I have a few dollars I can, like you said, <laughs> pay for gas right now because it's crazy expensive. But looking at that perspective instead of like, oh, why is it so much? And we're so angry about all the things we can't change we can start focusing on things we can change, then the world looks a lot better. And our goals start to become more attainable yeah. instead of being those things out there where we can't ever reach. Yeah. I will comment on this because it was a hard adjustment for me. I hate paying for coffee in airports, right? Because $25 and I got right. maybe a croissant and a coffee and I go ballistic. And I finally had to shift to, well, I'm grateful that I can pay for it. Because it's not going to change. They're not going to drop the prices down to $2 to make Bob happy. Nope. And I'm not going to win this fight. So accepting and then being grateful that I could afford it. It's still a little hard. Yeah. yeah. But I at least now do it and just go, be grateful, be grateful, uh, be grateful. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. Like I'll look at things. I'm like, uh, but again, I have to ask myself, and that's where my mantra goes back. It's never about the money. So what is it about? Right. Are we angry because we don't have control over the situation? Are we angry because we feel like we're being gouged? Like, what's the real emotion underneath it? Because if we can start to solve for that, yeah, then life gets a lot easier. I mean, if we're finding if with croissants and coffee, we're finding it in other areas of our life as well, right? We're just not acknowledging it. Exactly. So that's why I always got to say, it's never about the money. Okay, so what's it about? What is this one thing about? Why is it irritating me so much? Yeah. Okay, now I can go solve for that. And now, like, maybe next time it might not irritate me as much, right? A little bit less. Exactly. For me, it's control. I want to control the world. <laughs> I want to control every every emotion. Uh, you know, just a minor thing there. Yeah, just a small thing, right? Just a small thing, you know, controlling the world. Well, Dr. Joe, we are at the Fast Five brought to you by Cube Money, a cash envelope system made easy. Real-time financial awareness without the hassles of tracking expenses and carrying cash. For more information, check out the link in the show notes. So, Dr. Joe, we're going to shift the energy a little bit. We're going to jump into some Top of mind questions, and let's see where we land. Cool. Let's do it. What was the last time you purchased something and immediately regretted it? Oh, man, it's been like probably five, six years ago. Okay. And do you remember what it was? I actually don't. I remember okay. the feeling, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to be there anymore, right? And, and digging through what I've dug through, right? I'm like, I'm very intentional about it now. Or when that motion starts coming up, I'm like, oh, okay, this is about the money again. It can't be about the money. So what's it about, right? So what's it about? Yep. That's good. Have you ever thrown someone an extravagant party? I haven't. I'm not a party dude, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the party flatter, so don't call me for that stuff. Don't call. Don't call. What's something your brain wants to convince you to do, but you have to fight it? Oh, anything that involves pain that might be safe. Like my body thinks of like falling. I really want to do skydiving and I'm still trying to work up to that. But it's like just 
my brain always goes to the extreme and then my body, my nervous system literally feels like what it could be. So if you watch those funny videos on YouTube where people get hurt, but yeah. maybe not like really hurt, like I feel that. So I can't like watch that stuff. <laughs> like it, it just really messes with my brain. Yeah. Anything like that, like my body feels it. Wow. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I'm not going to do skydiving anytime soon. Which do you listen to most, your heart or your brain? Oh, my brain. hundred percent. I'm working on my heart, but my brain rules the decisions most of the time. All right. And is that mostly serve you or 50-50? Oh, it's horrible. Like, because I use past experiences to like make decisions that my heart and my intuition would tell me different. If we had more time, I have a whole Bitcoin story that I could <laughs> talk about for hours, right? I had the <laughs> intuitional hit I should buy in 2010 and I didn't. And it cost me a Right. I mean, where it's at today, who knows, but like it cost me a lot of money. Yeah. In that moment, right? And fear yep. holds us back from doing some of those things, right? Just that resistance. Oh, heck yeah. It's uncomfortable. But my heart said, go buy it because other people are really smarter buying it. So it's probably going to do something. My brain's like, but it's like this fake money thing that doesn't make sense to me. So I shouldn't do it. And right. I didn't do it. And I don't understand it. I can't move forward. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> my, my wife would teach me more to listen to my heart in those yeah. situations and serving me better now. Okay. <laughs> Is there something that you really wanted to do as a kid, but didn't have the opportunity? Fly. I always wanted to become a pilot. And as the expense goes with that and all that stuff, like, Never got there. Like, I love flying. I love like going on planes and stuff, but never had the opportunity to actually be a pilot. So if I could do it all go over again, maybe. Maybe. All right. We are at our Eminem moment, our sweet spot, money and motivation. I'm wondering if you have a practical tip or a piece of wealth wisdom you could share with our listeners, something that's worked for you. I think, like we said earlier in the episode, get some cash, have it on you and talk to it. Like, 100%, 100%, I could talk all day about different strategies and personal development things that would help. But if just doing that, even doing it wrong, but there's no wrong way to do it, just do that. And your life around money is going to change drastically in even a week. Even after doing it one day, it will change the way you see money forever. Yeah. Well, I hope people go out and talk to their money and really cultivate that relationship because I think it's so key. But you know, what I really enjoyed talking to you about today, because I feel like we're so on the same wavelength about this stuff is this disrupting, hiccuping our money mindset and just become aware of how emotions play such a role in our finances. Oh yeah, 100%. Right? We tell ourselves it's just very black and white. Two plus two is four, but it's not. No. Because we're working with the hesitation. We're working with the fears. We're working with the brain instead of the heart, right? Yep. And so the more we can start to cultivate the relationship with money, because I'm in agreement, it's a relationship. And like any relationship, it's not a one and done. I fixed it. Never have to do. It's a fluid conversation, just like it is with a spouse or a kid or a parent. It's ongoing and you have to adjust and pivot. And even as we're talking now, you still talk about how I'm learning to do more with my heart, right? You haven't, none of us have arrived. No. We're continually arriving. Yep. It's a journey. And the more we can enjoy the journey and have a little bit of fun along the way, and accept that it's a journey instead of, I'm just trying to get there. I'm just trying to get there and be done. And so for me, it's great to hear that even as you work with other people, you're still learning and evolving as am I. I don't have it all dialed in. I still have my frustrations. I still have to say, oh yeah, it's not about the money. What's it about? Even though I want to make it about the money. because Same here. I still do that too. That's my (laughs) mantra, right? And so I got to remind myself, it's not about the money. So what's it about? Like, Yeah, it's a lifelong journey. And I think as soon as we understand that, then we'll be happy in the journey. Absolutely. So Dr. Joe, you've talked about these five steps in talking with your money. Is there a place where the listeners can go to actually find those? 
They can, yeah. I know we talked about them and so to make it so you can actually see them, I have a PDF you can go download. If you go to www.peaceinprosperity.com, P-E-A-C-E, like find peace in your money, you can download it there for free and then just print it out. I have little graphics you can put as your wallpaper on your phone so you can always keep it with you and just follow the steps, get it done. Awesome. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. That's a great piece of advice. Cool, thanks. Dr. Joe, where can people find you on social media and online? On social media, I spend most of my time in LinkedIn. So the link will be in the notes, but LinkedIn is the best place to get me. And then my website, www.josephmburns.com. And you can find all the new things I'm doing there, or just a little bit about myself and all that fun stuff there. So, well, awesome. Those will be the two best places to find me. I so appreciate you coming on today and sharing your story and your perspective. Please go out there and keep doing the great work. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, that's the goal. And you too, it was great talking to you. And this has been a fun conversation. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you learn something new about your relationship to money today? Maybe you have a friend who has some financial blocks or beliefs that are holding them back. Please share this podcast so they too can get off the roller coaster ride of financial fears and journey towards financial freedom. To learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve, not nerd. We'll be back next week with another perspective on money and the emotions that bind us. Blah, blah, blah.